Hey, welcome back to Crimes and Closets. This is Christy in my closet in St. Louis. Hey guys, this is Beth in my closet in North Carolina. What's going on, Miss Christy? Oh, not a whole lot. Um, there is a giant storm happening right now. So if you hear any big crashing booms, the house didn't explode. It's just thunder. <laughs> no one has hit your house with a semi. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> How are you doing? I'm good. I just, we just got back from the beach. I know. I'm so freaking jealous of that. Oh, good. Yeah. <laughs> it so was so nice. We got back yesterday and we're all peeling <laughs> and, you know, trying to desand everything. So I'm like 50% there in the desanding. Did a great week. That's awesome. It looked fun. I was watching your pictures <laughs> from I afar. A true crime book. Oh, yeah. And it was great. It was so good. So I had the best time. Good. Stayed in my own little world and the seagulls stayed away from me. The people stayed away from me. Yeah. (laughs) It's the most important thing that the people stay away. (laughs) Oh, we go to this like little hidden gem beach in North Carolina that I'm not going to tell you the name of because I don't want you to start going. (laughs) And there's nobody there. So it was amazing. That's awesome. Yep. Good seafood. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yum. (laughs) Yeah. I know. My husband is like a big seafood fan. He's from Maryland. So like they get, you know, he grew up on like real fresh seafood and he was like, I'm going to eat at one place every day. (laughs) Nice. That's the way to do it. It is. It was good. Cool. One day we will rent a beach house there together. (gasps) Oh, yes, please. Like tomorrow. (laughs) we were on the hunt while we were there we like we rented a golf cart and it's an island and so we drove around the island on the golf cart and we're like scoping out houses that had that were right on the beach that had like six bedrooms and had pools and we were like going through our phone and like writing the names down and the addresses of the houses to like (laughs) make a plan we're making a plan summer 2021 yes (laughs) can't wait for stuff like that to happen yeah so and also my nine-year-old got stitches oh my gosh right before the beach she was coming up the stairs and fell and hit his knee and girl it was a crime scene (laughs) there was blood everywhere we have brick stairs and he hit the corner of the stair like right just all of his weight on his knee and I could see bone oh gross just like a volcano of blood come like squirting from his knee oh. it was ridiculous so we got seven stitches and so we had to take his little stitched up knee to the beach and water it and <laughs> the oh water. poor guy he's fine good grief right <laughs> And then my husband took the stitches out. Oh, Lord have mercy. It was Civil War surgery. It was great. I don't know how to handle that. I can't. That's like when my knees get queasy. I don't even know how I can read half of this stuff sometimes. (laughs) Really? Yes. (laughs) It was really gross. It was. The stitches are long. They are like 
it's phenomenal the hmm. amount of red is that what it is I it came know. out of his knee we were every time it happened all seven times i was like oh my god <laughs> Ugh, gross. Sorry, this is happening to you but it's not me <laughs> well i'm glad it worked out for you guys and you could still enjoy your vacation and it didn't put a damper on it it didn't nope good. it was good good awesome tell me about your crime scene um I got quite a crime scene for you, actually. So I hope you're ready. Speaking of like queasy, like this would definitely be one that I'd be like, oh, no. So so this one is another technically unsolved case, which I don't really like unsolved cases. And so I'm so fascinated that I've been drawn to them lately, but Anyway, it is technically unsolved. It is known as Houston's most gruesome murders. Oh, Lord. Texas again? Texas. (laughs) (laughs) This is the murder of Fred and Edwina Rogers. They, you don't know them? I didn't know them either, honestly. Like, I just randomly found them and was like, oh, let's check this one out. Hmm." Because of Texas. Yeah. So they lived in a neighborhood of Montrose, which was located in like West Central Houston, Texas. And it's about seven and a half square miles. So a little kind of suburb just outside of Houston. Um, They led a nondescript life as far as I can tell. There's basically no information on them before the murders. So, you know, I, like I said, always hate looking at these things because you just can't find information on them, but that's still a good one. So I couldn't find anything out about their early lives, except that Fred was born in January of 1884 and he was a retired real estate salesman and Edwina was born in October of 1892. So they old, the old case. And she was a sales representative of what? I have no idea. Just said she was a sales representative. So she'd be selling something. Vacuum. Yeah, probably. (laughs) Um, I also have no information on how they met or when they were married. However, they were married and (laughs) had one son, Charles Frederick Rogers, who was born on December 30th, 1921. And in 1942... Charles, the son, enrolled in Texas A&M University, but then later dropped out. And then he also enrolled in University of Houston, where he earned a Bachelor of Science degree in nuclear physics. Oh. He'd be smart. I mean, it's like... Is there NASA back in the head? (laughs) Yeah. You know, I don't think so, but maybe. In the 40s? Uh... I don't know. Actually, no. that would be a good question. Yeah, <laughs> <No>, right? <laughs> yeah, but he's pretty stinking smart. Nuclear physics. During World War II, Rogers was a pilot in the United States Navy and also served in the Office of Naval Intelligence. And after the war, he worked as a seismologist for Shell Oil for nine years. Do you have any idea what a seismologist is? Nope. Nope. Okay. Not even going to venture, I guess. <laughs> well, shell oil. I don't know what that would even be. Right? Sizing up oil. 
I don't know. <laughs> I had a guess, but I still had to look it up. Um, in basic terms, they're scientists who study earthquakes and planetary activity. Yeah, planetary activities as well as the effects on tsunamis. So basically, it's like, yeah. So NASA. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Yeah, Mm -hmm. super smart. (laughs) Apparently, he was had quite the resume. He abruptly quit his job in 1957, though, without giving any explanation. Friends of Charles have said that he was highly intelligent and also spoke seven language and had an interest in ham radios. Don't really know what those are. They're little radios, I guess, that you can communicate back and forth with. But yeah, they're like CB, like the old school walkie-talkies. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I don't know why he had an interest in them, but whatever. I mean, (laughs) I think smart people sometimes are really weird. So they just have weird. They just have weird <laughs> hobbies. Like how you say that, like, obviously we don't know anybody. <laughs> no, smart. I say that about my own kid. He's super smart and has these really <laughs> weird hobbies. <laughs> story. Yes. Oh, my God. So, okay. <laughs> speaking from experience. Um, anyway, so he was now unemployed and living with his parents. And there's a few strange situ- things about this situation. Number one. He essentially became a recluse. There were neighbors that had literally no idea that he even lived there. They never saw him. He reportedly, if he left the house, he would leave before dawn and come back after dark, and no one ever knew what he did once he actually left the house. Mm. Yeah. And that's not a good sign. Mm-hmm. Not a good sign. No. Mm-mm. And number two, he was actually the recorded owner of the house. So he lived with his parents, but nope, really, it was actually the other way around. They lived with him. <laughs> and they just assumed, like everyone just assumed that Fred and Edwina owned and that he lived with them, but it was opposite. And clearly it was because nobody ever saw him and they didn't even know he existed. I mean, they knew he existed. They knew he had a son, but they didn't know he was living there at all. Hmm. So, And then the third weird thing was he supposedly went out of his way to avoid his parents not only by leaving before they woke up and coming home after they went to bed, but apparently he only communicated with them by slipping notes to them under his bedroom door and they would respond to him in the same manner. (laughs) I actually kind of wish my kids would do this. (laughs) Don't talk to me. (laughs) Send me a note. Goals. Right under the door. (laughs) But... Needless to say, actually very strange. Super weird. Yeah. So one article that I found reported that a family maid had said that it was even possible that Edwina had not seen Charles face-to-face for roughly five years prior to her death. What in the world? Living in the same... Could you imagine living in the same house with your kid and not seeing him for five years? I mean... In my wildest dreams. (laughs) No. I can't imagine that. That's crazy. Yeah. So, uh, and because no one was really aware of Charles's presence, no one could really be even sure what led to his weird, this weird living arrangement. Cause nobody was, nobody knew he was there. Nobody was asking questions like, Hey, why is your son not hanging out with you? Why does he not talk to you? Nobody knew he was there. So no idea why he started doing this and acting this way after going to college, being in the Navy, getting, having a job, all of a sudden just weirdo. Did he eat? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's not like they reported on that, but I'm sure he had to to survive. You know, like and it under the door. Like, well, actually, I think I remember reading in one article that they would just leave it. Like she would leave a tray outside the door, and he'd Weird. you know get it. Um, yes. Edwina, go in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Weird. For real. So on June 23rd, 1965. Marvin Martin called the police to request a welfare check on his aunt Edwina and uncle Fred. He had stated that he had been trying to call them for a few days and he had been unable to get a hold of them. So two police officers, officer Bullock and officer Barda responded to this call and went into their home at 1815 Driscoll street. No one answered. So they had to force their way into the home, which appeared to be empty Upon entering, they went into the kitchen, and Officer Bullock isn't sure what made him open the refrigerator. He wasn't quite sure what he was looking for, but he did. And he immediately noticed that there were shelves of butchered hog meat. And he assumed that it was possible that they had just been to the butcher shop and had stocked up. So as he was about to close the door, he noticed something strange in the vegetable drawer down at the bottom of the refrigerator. What do you think he saw in those drawers? Oh my god. A human body part of some sort? Or was it a hand? Hmm. Well, I guess you'll just have to wait for a moment while we take this brief break. Oh my god. <laughs> okay. So, Officer Tell Bullock. Me. Huh? Tell me. Oh, you're ready. He saw the severed heads of Edwina and Fred in the vegetable drawers, quite literally looking up at him. Well, I don't know that my head would fit in a vegetable drawer. Yeah, you know, I thought of that. <laughs> I did. It's funny. We, we have Spidey here. But fridges back then were different. They were. <laughs> Yeah. So head, and I was like, "There's no way my big head would fit in the vegetable drawer." Yeah, they're a little bit different, but it's. I don't. Well, anyway, they may have been little people. I don't know. <laughs> no idea how big these people oh, were. So. No. so he immediately slams the door shut at the sight of them, but then reopened it to make sure that's what he had in fact seen. And both officers ran out of the house because <laughs> they were so startled; <laughs> they had never seen anything like that before. And immediately called investigators to the scene. The hog meat that I referenced earlier, and I'm using air quotes, was actually the dismembered body parts of Edwina and Fred. Oh, no. So now I know earlier I mentioned that they were in the fridge, but think of refrigerators again. This is what I'm going back to in the 1960s. And they were just one, one big giant door. So you open the door and then it had a freezer that was basically a small shelf yeah. At the top, you know, kind of like a hotel fridge, like mini fridge, where you have that right. little door that you open. That, I don't know how it keeps things frozen, but it somehow like the it does. Ice box. Yeah, yeah. So basically, the hog meat was in the ice box shelves, <gasps> and their heads were in those vegetable drawers. So, oh. the Amarillo Globe Times described the scene with these words. On the sh- all of the shelves in the freezer compartment were the dismembered bodies cut in unwrapped, washed-off pieces smaller than individual joints. Mm. (laughs) Mm. Mm. And a medical examiner 
also told the Globe Times, whoever did this apparently took their time and knew what they were doing. The dismembering was a fairly neat job. Ugh, see? Yeah. Make my stomach turn just thinking about what they could possibly have seen. Further investigations revealed that they had been killed three days earlier, which would have been on in this particular year on Father's Day. Happy Father's oh Day, Fred. Gosh. Yeah. Edwina had been beaten and then shot execution style in the head. A gun was never found. Fred had been beaten to death with a claw hammer and his eyes had been gouged out and his genitals removed. So really, actually, How truly. I know that? Just based on like, I mean, what they found at the scene and when they did, you know, take the bodies back to the morgue and whatnot. And just, ugh. So really. They didn't find that part? Huh? They didn't find the genital part? Well, I mean, I don't know specifically, but hold on. Hang on here. Despite this awful manner of death, the house had been pretty clean. Well, you know, cleaned up as pretty as well as it could be, except for a bit of blood going towards the bathroom and a bit of blood on a keyhole saw that was found on Charles's bedroom door. So the son's bedroom, not door, the floor, the bedroom floor. The claw hammer was also found by police, but they have not confirmed if there were any prints on it. They are saying that after Fred and Edwina were killed, <clears throat> they were dragged to the bathroom where their blood was drained from their bodies, and then they were dismembered. Not all of their body parts were found at the scene. Some were never found. Their internal organs were found in the sewer system because they had been apparently been flushed down the toilet. Oh. Can you imagine? I mean, well, I know that we can't imagine doing any of these crimes that we report upon, but... Killing someone, draining their blood, taking their organs out. Well, let me flush these down the toilet. Let me throw these in the freezer. Let me throw the head in the. <laughs> but like, how do you decide what you're gonna keep and what you're not gonna be like? Oh, this liver is worthless. I'm yeah. Arm. Just throw that. Throw that away. Get rid of it. <laughs> and then where did they go? I mean, I guess you could have thrown them out, you know, and animals got to them and just ate them. They just never found them, but. Crazy, crazy scene. So a police, police immediately suspect Charles, clearly. However, Charles is nowhere to be found and is never seen again. Oh, never. They issued an APB, all points bulletin, for those who don't know what that means, <laughs> for Charles immediately and began a nationwide search. They knew he knew how to fly, so they checked all the nearby airfields to see if anyone matching his description had left by plane, but there was nothing that turned up. He essentially disappeared and left virtually no trail for anyone to follow. In 1975, a local judge declared Charles legally dead so the estate could be probated, and the case remains officially unsolved, and he remains the only suspect. So I know that this was a very quick like description of it, but there are a few theories that I want to talk about and two books that have been written about these theories. The authors of these books believe they know exactly what happened and why Charles committed the murders, but neither theory has any actual hard evidence. 
one is labeled a fact-based fiction book and the other has been highly criticized for blatantly fictionalizing events in the story. But they're worth taking a little bit of a closer look at. So the book, which this one I've actually heard of, is called The Man on the Grassy Knoll. And it's by John R. Craig and Philip A. Rogers, which no relation that I know of to the Rogers family. (laughs) The authors are investigators for the National Intelligence Service Bureau in Texas, and they believe that Charles was a CIA agent from 1956 to the mid-1980s. And they think that he is one of the people responsible for the assassination of John F. Kennedy. What? That's a whole nother rabbit hole you could probably go down on this case, like to check that. But yes, so they believe that he, he's one of the people involved. Charles is loosely connected to David Ferry, who is an alleged, alleged conspirator in the assassination. They had met while Charles was a part of the Civil Air Patrol, and David was Lee Harvey Oswald's flight instruction instructor in the Civil Air Patrol. So... Yeah, and you know who Lee Harvey Oswald is, right? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just making sure that's where the connection is. So because he knew this guy from part of his army days or civil air patrol days, and that guy taught the other guy how to fly, they hmm. said that maybe he that's was connected. Yes, okay. it's very loose, which is why it's kind of like, hmm, you guys are reaching here. According to this book, Charles murdered his parents because they had discovered incriminating diary entries and knew too many secrets about him, so he clearly had to kill them. He How would they discover his diary entries? Right, because he's in his room, locked in his room all the time. I, I mean, maybe when he goes out during the day, and he, since he's gone all day, they went snooping. Oh, and Weedon was a snooper? Yeah, it's entirely possible. I'm thinking that that's where this – I didn't read this book. I would like to read these books just because I'm curious, um, but I think that it was basically like they had been snooping for years, and they were – just, you know, learning information is what they're saying about him. And, you know, while he was out during the day, all those days. And so clearly had to kill them. And so then he flees to Guatemala and that's where he dies. Why? Why do they think he fled to Guatemala? No idea. Pretty much. I think they just made that up. I don't know. (laughs) There's a little bit far-fetched this story, but I guess possible because clearly he's disappeared and nobody knows where he is but there's no actual evidence that exists for this theory. So we'll move on to the second book. The other one is called The Icebox Murders, and this is by Hugh and Martha Martha Gardiner, possibly. I don't know how to say that name, but they are two accountants and amateur sleuths, you know, like we are. Yay! Yeah. (laughs) You know, go on web sleuths. Let me see what I can find. Yes. <laughs> and apparently they have spoken to family members and might have a little bit more of a plausible theory to this case, but theirs is that Fred and Edwina were abusive and manipulative. They theorized that they were abusive his entire life, life and later in life that they were financially ripping him off. They actually accuse them of of taking loans out against Charles's house, like and forging his name, and then pocketing the money. Maybe I guess they could be doing that. And I mean, I guess it would make sense that if they were abusive, he just wouldn't want to be around them. And like the family that they did speak to, 
kind of gave them the idea that that would have been the case and that they actually wouldn't have blamed Charles for killing them because they weren't nice. Okay. Charles apparently gets pissed about all of this and finally just lets loose on them and kills them. And then he uses his contacts that he made during his work in the oil industry and flees to Mexico. So he uses his ham radio contacts and the people that he's met in the oil industry and they help him get to Mexico. Then he goes to Honduras and is killed over a wage dispute with miners. <laughs> Another like, did I don't know if they traced him to Honduras somewhere, but like, he gets into a fight with the miners there and they kill him. Because they weren't paying him? You said a wage dispute. A wage dispute, right? yeah. I don't know because like I said, I didn't read the, the book. So I'm going by like, you know, descriptions of the book and theories that I've read over in, in the um, different articles that I read. And so I don't know what kind of dispute. I'm sure it goes into detail in the book. So I would like to read it too. But um, so anyway, again, I don't know. I don't know how they – know that but this one to me is more plausible like they were abusive they were using him and he just like snapped and was like all right i'm done i'm out gotta kill you gotta dismember you <laughs> gotta put you in the freezer flush your part body parts and or insides down the toilet you know and anyway again unsolved but this guy is the only suspect but he's actually declared legally dead in 1975 so they're not looking for him anymore. I'm well, assuming. Totally dead now. He would be like 101. Yeah, right. Exactly. 1921, he was born. Yeah, I mean, he would be dead. But they, I mean, he just basically lived the rest of his life like whatever he wanted to do, I guess. In Guatemala and or Mexico. Or Honduras. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I don't know which one. <laughs> But so a little bit of a side note on this, that house was unoccupied and unsold for years because I can imagine what, I wouldn't want to live in a house that that happened in. First of all, get rid of the fridge. I mean, that would have to be the first thing to go if I was going <laughs> to live there, but it was unoccupied and could not sell it until it was torn down in 1972. And even the lot remained empty. People wouldn't even buy that lot because where are the rest of Edwina and Fred? I mean, it could be somewhere. Right? Ooh. And now there are condos. Condos were built on that lot in 2000. So Edwina and Fred might be haunting those guys that live in those condos. Oh, my gosh. With their headless hog parts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Frozen. Mm-hmm. Isn't that weird? Just a weird story. I mean, just, ugh, I don't know. It's just strange. The whole thing is strange. I am more on the CIA theory because I feel like nobody can find stuff like the CIA. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe they were abusive to him. And he was in the CIA, and he was a conspirator, conspirator for JFK. That's where my happy place is with this story. Like you're just I'm combining it all. Miriam, and that's where I'm going to live when it comes to Charles, because the CIA can hide you. Yeah, it's true. That is Maybe true. People think you went to Honduras. 
Entirely possible. We should actually write the next book and just combine (laughs) those two books together, give it to a publisher (laughs) and say we wrote it. (laughs) It's going to be a seven page book. (laughs) Exactly. Just these show notes. (laughs) Take this and write a book about it. podcast episode and promoter book. Thanks so much. Thank you. Thank you. We are now authors. Thanks for your support guys. We appreciate that it. That is crazy. Yeah. It was just interesting to me. Like I said, like just something caught my, well, I mean, just the whole finding them in the fridge and the policeman running out was my favorite part. <laughs> the JFK part is my favorite part. <laughs> Loosely connected to JFK. Well, you should do the research on that and see, like, if there's any more on that. I'm also going to never buy a fridge with big enough vegetable bins for my head because, or snoop. Not going to snoop in my kids' rooms. First of all, don't write diaries. Oh, yeah. Like, when has a diary ever been beneficial to anyone? Mm -mm. No. No, it's not good. Not, I it always get you in trouble. Like when when I die, I need you to come to my house and look for any diaries that I may have written and take them because no good will come of them. Like all my high school diaries, get rid of them. My mom doesn't need to know about them. Like someone come get my diaries. In case you um, wrote any also with your um, Alzheimer's. <laughs> you don't remember. Yes. Oh my gosh, good thinking. Yeah. Yes. When I'm mm-hmm. in my retirement home, <laughs> come get my diaries. Be that friend. Okay, if I remember where they are. <laughs> <laughs> You'll be there with me. <laughs> exactly. I'll be like, guys, can you let me out for a day? I got something to do. Yeah, my friend died and back in 2020. And I got to go read all these real quick. (laughs) (laughs) I got to tick top a couple of these pages real quick and then destroy them. (laughs) Flush them down the toilet. (laughs) Don't put them in your icebox. No. Mm -mm. (laughs) Anyway, well, that is all I got on this one. (laughs) Well, that's crazy. I like it. My money's on CIA. Yeah. I like that your money's on the other one. Yeah, I don't know why, but it it just seems to it makes more sense, even though it still doesn't make sense. All of it, all of it doesn't make sense. But they it, had to have been abusive for him to be so mad at them, right? Right, right, so like and to hate them, them so, right? And Dad, I would assume, would have been a bigger perpetrator in this because he really laid into him. Like, yeah, he shot and killed his mom. But he gouged his dad's eyeballs out and cut off his genitals. So I feel like dad had the brunt of it. Well, I mean, if you're cutting them up, you would have to cut that off. Well, yeah, but he didn't gouge his mom's eyes out. Right. No, true. I just meant the genital part. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that part has to be cut off. Anyway. So JFK. Yes. I'm looking into it. I'm going down that rabbit hole. Have at it. You are welcome to it. I was not ready for it. <laughs> Y'all go down that rabbit hole too. <laughs> anyway, 
That's it. You got anything else? No, I like it. Guys, what do you think? Why don't you let us know? Give us a shout on Instagram or Facebook. Check us out on our website at crimesandclauses.com. Send us an email. If you have case suggestions for us that are just as gruesome and weird, we want to know because this is crap that we live for. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. So if you are amateur sleuths like we are, please let us know and send us your case suggestions. And if you would be so inclined, give us a five-star rating and a review because we love it. And let us know what you think. And always remember, the world is scary. People suck. Hide in your closets, guys. I'm not going to